1: character counts. The measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he knew he would never be found out.
0: How do our actions differ when someone's looking? Pastor Greg Laurie says character is doing the right thing when no one's
1: looking. Why don't you go and commit certain sins? Is it because you're afraid of the repercussions? Okay, that's a deterrent. I have a better one because you love the Lord and you would not want to do anything that would bring shame to His name. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. again you hear all the angels are singing? This is the day, the day when life
0: begins. Let's be honest. We all like getting a nod of approval when we've done the right thing, don't we? And then, when we've messed up, we hope everyone was looking the other way. But today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out people of integrity do good even without getting credit, and avoid the bad even when they wouldn't be blamed. We'll see some tremendous examples of that today as Pastor Greg introduces us to four young men from our scripture text. We're in Daniel chapter 1.
1: You know, it's been said, Christians are a lot like tea bags. You don't know what they're made of until you put them in hot water. Are you in the hot water of trial right now? Or are you in the hot water of temptation? Well, first of all, I want to say, don't freak out because you're not alone. It's actually a confirmation that you as a Christian are on the right track. 1 Peter 4.12, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Be happy if you are insulted for being a Christian for then the glorious Spirit of God will come upon you." Listen. It is strange if you are not going through a trial. It is strange if you are not being tempted. If you are going through trials, if you are being tempted is effectively the norm of the Christian life. And by the way, it is not a sin to be tempted. I think we forget that sometimes. Because temptation comes at the worst times, doesn't it? Have you ever had a bad thought come to you in church? And you are thinking, how could I be tempted in church? Well the devil's going to hit you whenever he wants to effectively hit you. But the sin of temptation is not in the bait. It is in the bite. If you see it for what it is and you reject it and you resist it, no harm, no foul. Temptation came knocking. You said no, done deal. But if you bring it inside of your mind, that's where the problems begin. It's been said you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from building a nest in your hair. Now, in my case, there's not a lot to work with. <laughs> that bird would have to bring his own materials. <laughs> but you get the idea of what that saying means. He, The temptation flies over. It's when you bring it inside. And to the point, even Jesus Christ Himself was tempted in the wilderness. So anyone can be, and if you're a follower of Christ, you will be tempted. Now let me add something else to that. If you would say to me, I can't remember the last time I was tempted, then you are either dead or worthless. (laughs) I think honestly, some people are right where the devil wants them. He's marginalized them. He's neutralized them. He would say, Why waste time on them? I'm going after that man of God that's starting to read his Bible every day and take his faith seriously. I'm going after that godly woman that's actually engaging people with the message of the gospel. Those people are trouble, and I've got to stop them. So he's going to come with his temptations to those people. Well, it's a hot water of temptation. Now here before us is a story of three young men that were in a real fiery trial. I am talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It is a story of how they stood up for what was right even at the risk of losing their own lives because they were prepared ahead of time. Know this. Hardship, calamity, and tragedy, the loss of a loved one is going to come your way one day. And trials and temptations and testings will come too. So take steps now to be prepared then. Listen. There is going to come a time when your faith is going to be tested. When people are going to challenge what you believe. When temptations are going to come in your direction trying to pull you in the wrong way. And so the question you might ask is, will I be able to stand when that day of testing comes? Will I be able to resist when that time of temptation comes? My answer may surprise you. That's entirely up to you. You Say, no, it's up to God. No, actually, it's up to you. God will give you the strength to resist the temptation. God will give you the power to get through the trial, but He won't do it for you. You see, there's some things only God can do. And there's some things only I can do. Only God can forgive sin. Only I can repent of my sin. God won't repent for me. I have to do that. And in the same way only God can get you through your hardship but only you can take hold of His promises and believe Him. So if you want to know if you are going to make it in that day of testing you need to start thinking about it right now. The stand you make today will determine what kind of stand you will make tomorrow. The end of your life is determined by the beginning of it The evening is determined by the morning. It is not unlike building a house. The most important time when you build a house is not when you hang pictures on the wall, or when you lay your carpet down, or when you landscape it. Those are the fun parts. The most important time when you build a house is in the wiring, the electrical, and the plumbing, and having your foundation done Properly, Because if you mess that up, everything else doesn't matter. The same is true of life. The most important time is in the beginning when you're laying the foundation. And if you don't get that right, everything else is of no consequence. Because when it's all said and done, character counts. In fact, it's the most important thing in a person's life. Not just what you think you are or what other people think you are, but what you really are it comes down to this. When you are all alone, when no one is looking, when there is no one to impress, that is who you are. The measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he knew he would never be found out. Why don't you go and commit certain sins? Is it because you are afraid of the repercussions? Why don't you go rob that bank? Think of all the money you would have. Well, you don't do it because, well, I would be caught. I would be arrested. Or, or or do you say, well, I wouldn't do that because that's a sin and that's a wrong thing to do. Well, why don't you go and have that affair? Well, my wife would literally kill me if I did. That's why. Okay, that's a deterrent. I have a better one because you love the Lord and you would not want to do anything that would bring shame to His name. And you would not want to disgrace your family and hurt your fellow Christian Friends and so forth. But the idea is, why don't you do those things? If you have real character, that's where it all starts, you see? The real measure of a man's character is what he would do if he knew he would never be found out. What if you knew you could get away with it? Would you do it then? That's a lack of character. Listen, the stand you make today will determine what kind of stand you will make tomorrow. You decide what principles you're going to live by. You're going to decide what road you're going to take. I'm
0: so glad you've tuned in today for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, we're considering the importance of integrity as we highlight the examples of some remarkable men of God in the Old Testament. Here's Pastor Greg again.
1: Here are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego living in Babylon. Now how did four good Jewish boys end up in a place like that? Well God had warned Israel to stop turning to idols and false gods. But Israel did it again and again. And the Lord said, If you don't turn from these false gods I am going to send you into captivity for 70 years. But they continued to worship the false gods. Then the Lord got specific And He said through Jeremiah in chapter 25, verse 8, Thus says the Lord God, Because you have not listened to me, I am going to gather together all the armies of the north under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, whom I have appointed as my deputy. I am going to bring him against this land and its people and against the other nations near you. So God is saying, Now listen, if you don't stop worshiping idols, I am going to bring Babylon led by Nebuchadnezzar. So that was very specific. Yet they ignored God's warning and the Lord did exactly what He said He would do. I think about our own country. At one time I think you could say America was comparatively speaking a godly nation. I think you could say at one time in America we reveled in those Judeo-Christian values that gave us the liberty we all enjoy so freely. But today in the United States, things are different. Now there's a hostility in our culture toward the person that believes what the Bible teaches. Now it's becoming increasingly unpopular to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. So we thumb our nose at God we break His commandments left and right. And sometimes I wonder if the Lord would allow another nation to overtake us, even a godless nation to do so. Oh, that would never happen. How can you say that? He let it happen to Israel. He warned them. Could it happen to us? You know, they loved idols. So God sent them to idol central, Babylon. Babylon was known to be a place of rampant idolatry where they worshiped thousands of gods. Careful what you wish for. You might get it. So now they are conquered by Nebuchadnezzar exactly as God said they would be. Now Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted them to abandon their faith. He wanted them to embrace the pagan Babylonian culture and religion. It was the intention of Nebuchadnezzar to erase every vestige of identification between the Israelites and their God. And He gave a decree that He wanted Israel's brightest and best brought into His court so He could have them indoctrinated in the ways of Babylon. And that's where our story begins. Daniel chapter 1 verse 1. Let's read it. By the way I am reading from the New Living Translation. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it with his armies. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah. Interesting it says, the Lord gave him victory. When Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon, he took with him some of the sacred objects from the temple of God and placed them in the treasure house of his God in the land of Babylon. Then the king ordered Asphinez, who was in charge of the palace officials, to bring in some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. So here clearly the king is looking for young Israeli men to corrupt. Verse 4 Select only strong, healthy, and good looking young men, he said. Make sure they're well versed in every branch of learning and they're gifted with knowledge and good sense and have the poise needed to serve in the royal palace. Teach these young men the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Verse 5. The king assigned them a daily ration of the best food and wine from his own kitchens. Now they were to be trained for a three-year period. And some of them would become advisors in his royal court. Their names are given, verse 6, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were their names given to them as good Jewish boys. But the chief official renamed them with Babylonian names. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. He asked the chief official for permission to eat other things instead. So we will stop there. So it is believed by many commentators that these four young men were somewhere between 14 and 19 years old. They were teenagers. Clearly they were raised in believing homes by godly parents. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to change that so he changed their names but he could not change their hearts. But their world as they knew it literally changed overnight. They went from a simple God-fearing culture to a decadent one. These young men, torn away from mother and father, were placed in this alien culture of paganism and unparalleled luxury. Up to this time, they would have lived in basic conditions. Now they're in the very palace of the great Nebuchadnezzar. And Babylon in that day was an amazing city. They were surrounded by jaw dropping opulence, but there was no reverence for the Lord God in this place. Everyone cowered in fear before King Nebuchadnezzar. And I wonder if this has happened to you recently. Your world has changed. You are living in a new place. Uh, Maybe you are in a college campus. Or your business has sent you to a different city. Or you are in the military. No matter where you go in this big old planet, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God will still be with you. And God was with them in this pagan culture. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar could change their names but he could not change their hearts. They had a God to serve and they had to stand to make. And understand that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were facing heavy duty temptation. The world was their oyster. They were given the finest education. Before them were the most delicious foods and wine in the entire planet. Nebuchadnezzar was sure such young men would be seduced by all of this luxury, but he had not considered one thing. They had character.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie is just getting started in this study called Staying Cool When Things Get Hot, and there's much more to come here on A New Beginning. Next time, Pastor Greg points out that so many can't find the happiness they're searching for because they're searching for it in the wrong places. The source of real joy next time.